0: Welcome to the How to Lead podcast, a resource to help you develop, but also a resource, hopefully, to help your team develop. My name's Clay Scroggins. I'm normally joined by Adam Tarno, but I'm uh, flying solo today, having this uh, interesting uh, and helpful conversation with a new friend of mine named Luke Womack. Luke, welcome. Thanks, Greg. Glad
1: to be with you, man. Thanks.
0: You're SoCal. You're in Southern California. Yeah. Um,
1: What part... Yeah, so my wife and four kids and I live in Anaheim
0: in Southern okay. California. Uh, Disneyland. I'm gonna I'm gonna just list off everything I know about Anaheim. Uh, the Angels, Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
1: funny. I, I I'm a Dodger fan and I haven't been at Disneyland in 20 years, so, <laughs> so yeah, maybe one oh for uh, two. Yeah, oh for two. I saw it from half your audience, but,
0: how uh, um isn't uh, the new stadium there that the um oh, what's it called. SoFi is it SoFi is that what it's called? Oh yeah, is yeah. that near? Yeah. That,
1: is that near you? Yeah, so SoFi Stadiums in LA. It's uh, where the Rams and Chargers play. And I, I haven't personally been, but everyone who's gone has said it's incredible. I mean, you pay like one hundred and fifty dollars oh. for parking, but otherwise it's great. Oh, okay,
0: yeah, it feels like a, um, it looks like a spaceship. Um, all right, Luke, I'm excited about having this conversation because. Uh, the topic is how to not become an isolated leader. or what, what do we do? How do we not become a lonely leader? Leadership is lonely. Uh, this is a relevant conversation for every single leader, no matter what your position is, no matter what your level is. But I would certainly say the longer that you work, the longer you're in industry, the longer you're in the marketplace, the longer you're at a church or wherever it is you are the more common this is. And there's certainly a stigma attached to it. I'm eager to jump in with you. Why don't you, you want to tell us your background and tell us how did you even get involved in this
1: space? Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, I graduated from college with a degree in business administration and you know, always had this desire to start something. I'm, I'm a better starter than I'm a finisher. And so, yeah, I kind of toyed around with little side projects here and there. But I started my first real company about 10 years ago. And, you know, this is embarrassing, but back then I thought I was the world's greatest leader. I mean, I, I, was, really, I was really convinced yeah. that I had it all figured out just a few years mm-hmm. out of college. And then everything changed when I hired my first employee. And, you know, I, I was pretty proud of myself because I doubled the size of our company in terms of employee headcount, right? And then my first employee quit in 90 days. Like literally in 90 days, he was gone. He looks up at me and says, I've hated every single day of working here and I'm leaving immediately. And the part was, he wasn't just leaving the company, but he was actually our next door neighbor. And oh, so, geez.
0: So he's like, no. I'm also moving.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And we did everything with them. <laughs> wow. You know, mm. I realized. I'm laughing at it, but that hurts. Yeah, it hurts. It hurt. It's easy to laugh now. I was not laughing then. Yeah. I realized yeah. in that yeah. season, Clay, that I was a lousy leader. Mm. Like that's when I first realize that leadership is exceptionally isolated. I felt very alone. And the sad part is I, I started to doubt whether or not I had what it took to become a leader that people wanted to follow. And, you know, some of these messages from, you know, college and high school, you know, Luke, you're a little too rough around the edges. I remember a girl said to me in high school, she's like, Luke, you're all business. Like, you're not very good at relationships. You're just all business. I'm like, well, that I, I kind of like part of that and I hate part of that. So all that to say... <clears throat> That was a rough, isolated season for me. But everything changed again when employee number two said yes. So this employee shows up and literally during his final interview, I had to tell him that employee number one just quit. Like that's when he got the news. And so I figured it's over. I'm going to have to shut down the company, dot, dot, dot. Uh, But but he comes back, talks to his wife and he says, we're 100% in because we believe in you and we believe in the mission of this company. And so I found someone who believed in me and was willing to help me soften the rough edges. And then from there, you know, I really turned it on. I'm like, all right, this cannot happen again. You know, I cannot have this guy quit in 90 days. So I started this journey a decade ago of defeating leadership isolation in my own life. Um, I read as many books as I could get my hands on. I joined a peer leadership group myself. I got a business coach. And, and fast forward to today, uh, we grew that company by 32%. Percent per year for 10 years straight. And I'm, I'm still friends with employee number one who quit. Like we patched that up. Employee number two is still with mm-hmm. us. And I discovered I, I can be a more complete leader than I used to be. Uh, but the key for me is it's got to be uh, getting rid of that isolation. So in light of that, we launched the arena as this peer leadership group uh, to answer the question that I had a decade ago.
0: Uh, we're, we'll definitely dive more into the arena. but A couple more questions about that. Did When it comes to your challenges as a leader, what you were experiencing back then, did you immediately identify, oh, I've got a problem with isolation? Or was that something that you look back on now? Because I don't know that I know it when I'm in it.
1: No, I I had no idea. So looking back, it's easy to say that I was totally isolated. Sure. But back then, I think the very reason I thought I was a great leader is because I was isolated. I had nothing to compare myself to. So I'm this leader on an island with one other guy. I thought I was crushing it. And then he comes to me and he says, I've hated every day of working here. So I had no feedback. I had no camaraderie. I had no business coach. I hadn't even read that many books on business. And so if you asked me back then, what was my problem? I had no idea. At first, I thought it was employee number one's problem. Um, And then very quickly, I realized I do have a problem. But it, it, it honestly, Clay, it took me a few years to figure out how to solve it. It didn't solve itself overnight. I I didn't know what was wrong.
0: Was there a moment where you, when you started to go, oh, I realize now I'm not talking to anybody. I don't have anybody I can confide in. No one really knows what's going on. I feel isolated. What was that moment like?
1: Yeah, I would say it started for me with books. So I didn't know of any like leadership networks. I didn't have a business coach right away. That came later and that was very helpful. But right away, I, I literally remember I was living in Pasadena at the time. I like I'm this like broken guy. My first employee just quit. I probably had bags under my eyes from crying. And I go into the Pasadena library and I get like 10 books on like how to be a good leader. And I've never told you and like how to grow a business. And I sat down in one of their private rooms and just start. I was there for hours and I went there every single week And I just started reading through these books. I didn't even check them out of the library. I just, I don't know why I didn't know you could do that. I just read them at the actual library. (laughs) I did that for a few months. That's funny. I've never told anyone about that, but I did that for months and just started eating up content on leadership because I realized I I don't know what I'm doing.
0: I'm I'm, I'm balancing in my head these two different directions that I want to go and I want to get to both of them, but I want to hear... I want to hear more about your story, but let's, let's take a, let's zoom out a little bit. Let's talk about somebody that might be listening too, because, um, every, you know, I, I think it's a hard diagnosis to make of yourself. It's hard to realize when you're isolated, but I just know, first of all, the older you get, the more isolated you naturally get. John Laney's got this great stand-up that he does on, I think it was his Saturday Night Live, like, um opening monologue where he talks about, like, what is it about our dads? They don't have any friends. And then he says, like, you know, the most amazing thing about Jesus is that he had 12 friends. Like, that's incredible. And they went fishing together. You know, like, it's a really, I mean, it's a bit for him, but it's so real that the older you get, the less friends you have, the more isolated you get. There's like a part of our culture where you pull in the, you know, I, not that it, I'm trying to, like, flex wealth on anybody, that we have a garage. Not everybody has a garage, but you can pull in the garage and close the garage door, right? There's, Away. I mean, uh, Robert Putnam wrote a book. Um, it was a, uh, had bowling in the title, where he's talking about just the data around this that has grown so much. Uh, how people are just less involved civically. We're more isolated as neighbors. We're just not as engaged in our communities anymore. So there's so much going against. And then on top of that, leadership. Leadership is isolating when you're. And and I say leadership from a positional standpoint. When you become a boss, it's just more isolating. But what else would you say? Like, what, what is somebody feeling right now who's listening to this going like, I think that might be me. How do I know that?
1: Yep. Yeah. So I would say a lousy leader can be diagnosed by first looking at what a complete leader looks like. So let's start there. Let's start with a complete leader and then back our way into, okay, if you're missing one of these, here's what you might look like. For anyone listening, maybe you could do a a bit of a self-diagnosis. And like looking back, it's so clear to me where I fell short as a leader based on this this tool that we developed. So I would say, Clay, that a complete leader is made up of of three parts. And, And none of these are probably super surprising, but a complete leader has compelling vision, executive presence, and time-tested character, right? So compelling vision, that's a dream with an invitation. That's, hey, I have a dream to go somewhere, to do something, to accomplish this thing. And it's not just me. There's an invitation for other people in there. And, and that's what a compelling vision is all about. And you see you know, great leaders casting this compelling vision, not just once, but literally daily, right? Uh, a CEO is really a CRO. That's the chief reminding officer, right? That's compelling vision. The second quality of a complete leader is executive presence. And executive presence is behavior that inspires trust. So if, if someone has compelling vision, number one, and you say, wow, that's, that's a big dream. In fact, that guy or that lady is a little bit crazy even. The executive presence extends the sentence to say, but I can trust them. But I can trust that person because they have behaviors that inspire trust and behaviors like high self-awareness or charitability or consistency. They come into the office as the same person every day, not like the ups and downs that give people whiplash. So compelling vision is number one. Executive presence is number two. And then there's this third piece that's critical because you can't just have the the big vision. You can't just have the, the behavior that inspires the trust. You also have to have time-tested character. And time-tested character is uh, what you can maybe think of as this like unimpeachable credibility, right? Unimpeachable credibility. And, if you have that, if you have this character piece, this unimpeachable credibility, people will actually come to your aid if you were to be falsely accused of something you didn't do. Like, even if you're not there, like, someone says, you know, hey, you know, Luke did this thing or Clay did that thing and you're not. You're not there. You would want people who really know Clay or who really yeah, know.
0: Ah, that doesn't sound like him.
1: That doesn't sound like them because they have such a great track record of, of time as a character. Um, it was Warren Buffett that said it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. And it's so true. Like that uh, 20 years of reputation building is, is going to be critical to uh, make sure that your, your good name. Um, or or the lack thereof doesn't cause you to kind of lose this influence. So those are the qualities of what I would call a complete leader. And then to get to to your question, like how might someone be feeling if they're like a a lousy leader, so to speak, or an incomplete leader, and they don't know why, I would say they're probably just missing one of those three. They're missing either the compelling vision, the executive presence, and the time-tested character. Now, let, let me talk about that piece for a minute. So let's say someone who's listening to this, says i'm lacking the compelling vision piece like i have it in my head but i haven't shared it or i don't really have a clear sense of direction i'm just doing this for the money or because i thought it was supposed to or whatever if you only lack for compelling vision you are what i would call the wandering companion you're the wandering companion so on, on the bright side people typically like you they like to be around you you treat people well you're good at listening to problems and solving them you could even create a great place to work the problem is you become one of the people, right? You're more of a peer, less of a leader, and you kind of sit around the campfire, so to speak. You're not off in the distance, dreaming and building vision. And the challenge is people know where to go before you do, right? They're, they're ahead of you and you're, you're constantly trying to get consensus on the team, right? Like that's your primary decision-making mechanism. Like I want everyone to always agree, but but leaders have to call the shots and, and the wandering companion um, sometimes are afraid to do that. So I would say if someone's listening and they lack compelling vision, you might struggle with the you know wandering companion syndrome. Now, if someone lacks only for executive presence, that's the uh, trust building behaviors, I would call them the graceless pioneer. And by the way, this was me. This was me You know, back in the day uh, when I lost my first employee on the bright side. They have direction. Like they know where they're going, they're going to get there fast. They typically have really good intentions, good agenda. The problem is they leave people behind. They don't have tact. Like you look in the rearview mirror and there's bodies just laying on the side of the road. Uh, they're really good at attracting people. Like their passion gets people in the door, but their clumsiness makes them leave. And and they're the type of leader that if they were to like host a meeting people would sit in on the meeting and there'd be a lot of like raised eyebrows. And then once the leader leaves, they all get together after to figure out what happened during the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had
0: a coworker say somebody that reminds me of this, say, Oh, I'm going to meet with her right now. I better put a helmet on, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I'm going to get beat up. Like I know that I know what's coming and I better get ready for it. That's probably what your coworkers are thinking.
1: that's, That's the graceless pioneer, right? It's not what they do. Or even why they do it but it's how they do things that get them into trouble and and that's the thing in my leadership i've had to work on the most is is getting out of this graceless pioneer space and developing executive presence or behavior that inspires trust and then the third thing if you're lacking only for time-tested character and i would say this is probably the hardest one to admit because no one wants to say i don't have good character but you know like deep down if you're missing that character piece you're what I would call the counterfeit charmer. The counterfeit charmer on, on the bright side attracts people really well. Like when they speak, people listen, they buy in. People even boast about following the counterfeit charmer. There's almost like this cult-like following to the counterfeit charmer. And there's so, so many personalities and profiles of people who are like this in, in the public space. You know, they're smooth, they're well-spoken, they could never go wrong until it does. right? And that's where the problem kicks in the counterfeit charmer is headed for a scandal, right? And the point at which the scandal is likely to occur is when their notoriety exceeds their character. That doesn't happen right away. Like day number one, year number one, you don't have that much attention when you're starting a company or you're leading within a company. But once the notoriety kind of crosses the character line, that's when this person's at risk for a scandal. So there's this future trap for the counterfeit charmer and if, if it's unchecked, uh, the demise can be really fast and really painful. And kind of speaking to that Warren Buffett quote from earlier, you can undo decades of work seemingly overnight. So yeah, to, to wrap that up, if someone's listening and they're like, hey, I know that I need to grow my leadership. I don't know how. I would say do a diagnosis. Are you missing compelling vision and you're the wandering companion? Are you missing executive presence and maybe you're the graceless pioneer? Or are you missing time to a character and maybe you're the counterfeit charmer? And uh, that, that could be a starting point. You know, step number one in the 12-step process, admit you have a problem. And I, I think uh, that's where people can start. And uh, I I assume
0: the isolation, maybe I should ask it, frame it in a question. Is isolation the answer? Or excuse me, is it is relationship the opposite of, of, of coming out of isolation? Is that
1: how you grow in those areas? It's literally the answer to all three right? So they might frame differently, right? So maybe I get a mentor, that's relationship. Maybe I enter a peer leadership format, that's relationship. Uh, maybe I even, you know, start reading some books, there, there's some elements of that that bring in relationship, right? Maybe you get together with friends and talk about the book, maybe you, you know, even meet the author at some point, but, but relationship is the answer to all of it. Because relationship is like this mirror that someone else holds up for you. So you can actually see what you look like. And you know, when you like, Let's say you're like camping or something. You wake up early in the morning. You catch a glance of yourself in the mirror. You're like, oh, I look pretty bad today. Like, that's kind of what it's like being in a relationship. When you're growing in your leadership, you catch a glance of yourself in the mirror and it's painful. But it's it's the best thing for you because only once you have an accurate picture of yourself and your own leadership can you begin to grow. So I would say absolutely uh, relationship is the answer to all three.
0: And that's what the arena is. You guys have created networks of of leaders tell us a little bit more about that about how you're helping leaders solve this
1: yeah so we built the arena to be what I would have wanted when I was isolated in my leadership 10 years ago um I, I truly believe that peer leadership is the number one best tool for most people who want to grow in their leadership and it's i would say it's a widely underutilized tool for many leaders and and I think one of the reasons is a lot of peer leadership networks and there, there's quite a few of them um, but they really cater to the you know, number one CEO of a big corporation. And, and so everyone else kind of feels like, well, there's nothing for me. That's just for the big dogs. So we started the arena with that in mind. So the arena is a network of peer leader groups for those who want to develop their leadership and, and their companies if they're leading a company. And, and here's what's different. So four things that are different about the arena. Number one, it's accessible. Right, so we're we're looking for leaders of all types, not just the CEO, not just the president. They're certainly welcome too, but but anyone who's leading people, right? And you could be a mid level manager in a small company, and you are leading. And so, accessibility is key for us. Number two is is innovative. Uh, we have a highly efficient three hour agenda. So a lot of I, I've been a part of a lot of great uh, peer leader uh, groups and they're typically pretty long six eight ten hours and it's just a long time you know like and, and i get i get pretty bored easy and so I don't, I don't like to get bored so we have a very highly efficient innovative agenda um and, and kind of cut the fat so it's a three-hour gathering uh number three is it's affordable right the price point on on pure leadership can easily be one to two thousand dollars per month so now you're looking at you know 10 15 20 grand a year and and most people can't afford that or their companies aren't able to pay that and so we have a price point of of 299 per month and it's accessible for most people is it you know it's not going out for lunch it's going to cost a little bit more than that but think of the return you're getting on that um, in terms of the growth in your leadership over time and then the fourth piece is it's safe to share right so we put people in chapters where there's no one from your industry certainly no one for, from your company so no one can fire you You know, how many people have a group of other like minded leaders where they can talk about their problems or say, hey, my boss kind of sucked this week and I just I need to talk about it or, hey, I I feel like closing the company and I can't tell anyone because I'm going to scare everyone if I actually share that. So no one can fire you. There's no repercussions. Everyone's under NDA. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what's a little bit different about the arena.
0: I I am uh, such a believer in what you're doing because I believe so deeply. For one, I resonate so deeply with the isolation that leaders face. Two, I, as you were talking about, what does it mean to be a lousy leader? I was like, man, I need to up my game in all three of those areas. The vision, the executive presence, the time-tested character. But then number three, I just know the way people are wired. I know the way, I I have, I, uh, coming, being a pastor for 20 years, I'm fascinated with human growth. And I'm just convinced that human growth does not happen alone, that it happens in the context of community. It happens when we're shoulder to shoulder, face to face in those kinds of uh, peer environments. That's where people grow. And I know my, I mean, my own experience in life, I mean, one of the most significant crossroad moments in my life was these four friends that came and did kind of this intervention on me and said, hey, you're not thriving right now. And I cannot imagine where my life would be if I did not have those people in my life that felt comfortable enough to say, hey, we're going to talk about your life, whether you want to talk about it or not, because I'm the king of asking other people questions and getting the spotlight off me and onto somebody else. And so I just, um, I can imagine that somebody steps into one of your groups and pretty quickly they realize I can't go back to the old way. I can't live life without this. Any, um, as we wrap this up, would there be like one example or a story or, a you know, maybe a, hey, here's kind of a poster child or here's who we'd put on the front of our website kind of testimonial type story that you could share of somebody who's experienced the arena?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. One of the challenges of peer leadership, and it's also a benefit, is that it's confidential. And so, you know, in marketing, it's difficult because there are a ton of stories and, and stories that are kind of funny and stories that are more serious, uh, but in both cases of people who grew their leadership and grew their companies. Uh, but because we take confidentiality so seriously, there's no name or like specific uh, you know, story that I can share about that. There are a few people who have chosen on our website to share like little snippets. Um, but I would say this, my favorite definition of a friend is someone who says hard things to your face. And great things behind your back. And you spoke earlier about, I think it was John Mulaney who said, why don't our dads have friends? One of the greatest privileges in my leadership today is that I get to be a part of the arena. And these aren't just peers, they're my friends. And mm-hmm. friends are people who say hard things to your face and, and and great things to your back. And it sounds like, Clay, for you, four friends did that for you years ago. Man, I get that every month in the arena and it doesn't mean everyone's, you know, carving me up every month, but when i need to hear it, people will tell me the truth because they know me, they know my company, they know my leadership style, they know my proclivity to be the, you know, graceless pioneer and people can speak into that. And i would say for someone who is you know not sure if they need this or not, i would say once failure comes for that person, then they'll know that they need it. Uh, Bill Gates said, success is a lousy teacher because it seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose. And once people start to lose, they realize, okay, I need help. You know, whether it's the arena or something else, run to friendship, run to relationship, because there's so many isolated leaders. And I think it's the biggest problem in churches, in ministry, in business today is isolated leaders who eventually become lousy leaders because you can't. Grow in isolation.
0: I uh I do love that if somebody's experiencing failure, that they would go, hey, I need this. I would also just encourage people too. This is a little bit like um you work on your roof when it's sunny, you know? You don't work on your roof when it's raining. Like it's too late at that point. And unfortunately, you and I have both seen this where this kind these kinds of relationships When you need them the most, it's hard to build them in that moment. You got to build them before you need them so that when you need them, you have them. And so I just couldn't encourage anybody listening more. Check out the arena. Uh, It's the arena.network.
1: That's the website. people. Yeah, that's it. And and just a a brief note on how it works in case anyone's uh, wondering. So we meet monthly for three hours. It's 100% virtual right? So one of the things that causes pure leadership to be expensive is you got to get a meeting room, you got to drive somewhere to get lunch. 100% virtual, three hour format. Uh, we have quite a few chapters and new ones popping up all the time. Each chapter has only six to eight members. So they're, they're not massive groups. You don't have 15 or 20 people. it's six to eight. And uh, you know, during the three hours, we have a 20 minute lesson on leadership. Uh, we have a discussion of each person's accomplishments and issues. We have time for one-on-one connection. We have one person present on a big problem that they're facing, and the whole group speaks into it. And then we finish with setting of 30-day action steps for the next gathering. So that's kind of how the three hours looks. And uh, like I mentioned, it's only $2.99 per month. Our our goal is not to get the price as high as possible, but as low as possible. Um, Yeah, so if anyone's interested in learning more about the arena, uh, we host free test drives, every single week uh, where people can hop in and check out the format. Uh, there, there's no obligation. You don't have to sign anything. Uh, just come check out what we're all about and actually experience the arena on a virtual call with a few other like-minded leaders. And if you're interested in that, just go to the and click learn more to get in touch. Oh, I love it.
0: Um, Luke, I am so grateful that you took the time to do this. Thank you. Um, it would, I tell you, if somebody listened to this and signed up for the arena, I would feel so good about how we have helped someone. I can only imagine the satisfaction and internal fulfillment you feel because of the potential to really help somebody change their life. So thanks for, um, uh, I hate that that guy left your company after 90 days, but I'm really grateful for that experience. (laughs) Thanks for your vulnerability. Thanks for sharing today and um, really hope that somebody will take that step. The Network. Thanks, Luke. Well, that's all we got for today's episode of the How to Lead podcast. You can always reach out to us via email. We can be reached at info at howtolead.work. That's info at how to lead. work. Every episode is mixed and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at
1: soundofarose.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next time.